Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Lawrence Taylor, and I'm pastor of the Kenilworth Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. By the way, um, we certainly would love for you to come and join us on Sunday for our Sunday worship. It's uh, 11 o'clock. It's uh, 24 Kenilworth Place, uh, and that is in the Flatbush section of Brooklyn. And so um, we would love for you to be part of our worship experience. Well, today I'd like to talk about the personage of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Now, that has been an issue that people have grappled with for centuries. From the very beginning, Jesus told his opponents, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. If you, he said, if you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. So it lets you know that it is, it's been a long debated issue. Uh, in the Roman Empire, in the uh, second, third, and fourth centuries, they had what's known as Christological debates. That is debating the personage of Jesus. Who is he? But even today, this continues to go on. Now, as I said in previous podcasts, everyone has an opinion of Jesus. Uh, and if you question people about it, uh, you will find out that they have an opinion But not all opinions are equal. There is the difference between an uninformed opinion and an informed opinion. Merely having an opinion does not make it correct. You need to be informed. And unfortunately, so many are not. So they have drawn erroneous conclusions about Jesus. They put him in the pantheon of great philosophers. Uh, They put him in the same category with uh, someone like Confucius. Um, Or they uh, say he was a religious leader who started a religious movement. So therefore he was like, well, let's say Muhammad. Um, or some would just say he was a very wise man uh, who was uh, charismatic and able to appeal to a lot of people. Although some of those opinions are noble, none of them really come close to who Jesus is. In order to find out who Jesus is, we have to turn to Scripture. And in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, and beginning at verse 15, he says, with reference to Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Goes on in verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself would come to have first place in everything. Note how verse 18 ends that he will come to have first place in everything. So here the Apostle Paul tells us through divine revelation that Jesus is more than just a wise man. He is more than just a mere prophet. He says he is the image of the invisible God, verse 15, firstborn of all creation. Well, the word image uh, in the original this is where we get our word icon from, I-C-O-N. And it means that he is the exact expression of all that God is. So there the apostle says, all that God the Father is, he says Jesus is. So he makes a claim here about Jesus in that he is deity. And then he gives him another title, firstborn of all creation. Unfortunately, people like the Jehovah's Witnesses, based on their Aryan beliefs, concluded that Jesus was the very first one God created. But that is not what it says. Greek word that's uh, used in verse 15, uh, that's translated firstborn, prototokos, prototokos, P-R-O-T-O, T-O-K-O-S. That word does not mean first created. Let's note that. A word does not mean first created. It says he is the firstborn. They had a Greek word for first created, but that's not the word that's used here. It's the word for firstborn. Uh, that word is used to describe the nation of Israel. That word is used to describe David in Psalm uh, 89, uh, that he is the firstborn higher than all the kings of the earth. And so we know David wasn't the first person created. So the word firstborn means more than just chrono some chronological order. It is referring to the firstborn in terms of a position of priority. He has priority over all creation. That's the idea in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. That is, he has priority over everything. And by the way, note he uses the word firstborn twice in this passage. In verse 15, when he says he is the firstborn of all creation. 
Everything that is uh, created, he was the uh, firstborn. Um, but it uses it again in verse 18. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So he says he's the firstborn of all creation. That means he has a higher position over all creation. But then it says, with reference to the church, he is the firstborn because he is the head of the church. And note, he makes a distinction distinction between creation and the church. You know, everybody is a child of God by means of creation. All human beings were created in the image of God. But we're not all children of God by means of redemption. Only those who have accepted Jesus are the uh, or his children by means of redemption. So, you know, not everybody in that respect can be called a child of God. And Jesus, because he has his highest priority, is not only the head of every created thing in the universe, but of the redeemed also. Now, we ought to know, unlike what people say about him, he's a mere philosopher, he's a mere man, he's a moralist, uh, he's, um, you know, whatever they say about him and some of these other cults, the Bible clearly states that he has a higher position than anyone because the whole creation and all of the church falls under his lordship. He is lord of everything. That's the key point. He is the lord of all things. You note again in verse 18, it says, he is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place. Look at this in everything. So one day, everybody will recognize his sovereign lordship over the entire universe. Now, that is more than saying that he is just a prophet. And it is unfortunate that people miss this point when they have their discussions about Jesus and they are just so far off off the point about who he is. The Bible tells us we got to recognize him as being the head of everything. At this present time, he rules the universe. His rulership is invisible. It cannot be seen, but he is the head. People like, unfortunately, to, uh, well, as we learn from Romans chapter 1, they they worship men. They worship human beings. Um, You you take um, the cult of the Rastafarians, for instance. Um, Well, their god is Haile Selassie. I don't know if you know anything about Haile Selassie, but he wasn't such a good guy. 
Now, he did some noble things. I mean, Ali Selassie uh, was uh, the head of the government of Ethiopia uh, during World War II, did something that was quite noble. He um, led the resistance against the imperial forces of the fascist Italians who attempted to take over Ethiopia. All the other nations in the West were taking over Africa. So so Italy wanted to get their part of Africa too. So they attempted to take over Ethiopia. It was under the leadership of Haile Selassie that Ethiopia resisted fascist rule. They resisted Mussolini's attempt to take them over. And we got to give credit to Haile Selassie for that. And I don't think enough credit has been given to him for that. <laughs> but the man was no god, man. Uh, in the end, he turned out to be a corrupt leader who uh, sconded with half, more than half of the wealth of e- e- Ethiopia. Well, you know, as you see on television and on some of these commercials, people uh, uh, were in abject poverty and even starvation. He owned half of the wealth of Ethiopia and took off when he was deposed with half of the wealth of Ethiopia. Well, that was a corrupt guy. No question about it. He was a corrupt man. He was no Jesus. And all these people that we elevate and try to make them on playing with Jesus, they do not, they do not meet the criteria. Take Muhammad, for instance. Well, Muhammad may have been somewhat of a wise guy, a wise man. Uh, and after the death of his wife, uh, Khadidra, she was older than he was. I think she was around 40 uh, when they got married. He was like 26. Uh, so um, she was an older woman. But I mean, okay, fine. But then after that, he married Aisha. And Muhammad was considerably older now. Um, Aisha was only, now I want you to listen to this carefully now. She was only six years old. (laughs) That is, you got a grown man. That's just like inconceivable, marrying a six-year-old child. But he waited for a couple of years before he consummated the, uh, the, the relationship. Okay, well, you know, folks, I don't care how you try to spin that. Uh, that is just depraved. I mean, that's just downright depravity. Uh, but he's held as a great prophet. Now, uh, you cannot put him on the plane with Jesus. No comparison. Uh, Muhammad was involved, and he admits it. I'm talking about Muhammad admits it. He was involved in, in raids where they went into other, other villages, plundering those villages and stealing their, their goods. 
And so that's not, 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 not the characteristic of a holy and righteous man. But Jesus, when he walked there, he stood before a crowd in John chapter 8, and he said to that crowd, which one of you can convict me of sin? And of course, he was talking to his enemies, and not one person could, because he was sinless. He differs from all others. There is no comparison with Jesus and with others. I don't care who you come up with. No one is like Jesus. So uh, I want you to consider those things, uh, especially those who have been on the fringe and waving back and forth about their commitment to Christ. I'm not telling you to commit to a church, but you should commit to the most righteous person who ever walked this earth. So thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of it, and I'll see you next time.